0: Bye. <laughs> for the church as we were at Locking and, and and outside worship service. And for us to get together as a body of Christ in a public forum, I think, is very important. We need to be together. We need to be one outside the walls of the building so that we can learn from one another, get to know one another, and grow together in our faith and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I had a real good time last week. I talked more than ever had. Really nervous person, honestly, and I try to shy away from uh, big events. And so, but I had I had a good time. and I want to thank all of you for uh, giving me the opportunity to uh, uh, be a part of what you're doing here in West Alexandria. This morning, we've gathered to praise and worship our God and Savior. Worship is done in many, many varieties. Worship can be very structured in what we call liturgy, very formal. A, B, C, D. You got four or five readings in the service. You stand up, you sit down, you go back, you go forward, you go left, you go right. The worship can also be very unstructured. You can get in church and it's just kind of things are just going. And you know, all of a sudden somebody stand up, okay, it's time for us to worship God. And then the worship will begin. And you never know what's going to happen in an unstructured service, but that is a variety of service. Uh, it can be done as, together as a body of Christ. We worship here together as a body And that can all be done as an individual in your own personal prayer time. Worship is done in many contexts, in private, in public, in our bodies, in giving, and in serving others. In worship, we honor and submit to God. In worship, we give Him the praise that He deserves. In worship, we die to ourselves and we live for Him. Sunday, July 3rd, we met over here at Peace Park as a community of believers. The church has all got together, Said so we want to show unity as the body of Christ, that there's more than just your church and my church and this church and that church, but we are one in Christ. We are one in Him, and so we came together as a body in community to worship the Lord. Last week, we worshiped the Lord as a local body in a public forum, saying to those around that we are believers. We are Christian, and we worship the God of Israel, we love Him, we serve Him, and we follow Him, and we thank Him for His Son. This week we worship God in the sanctuary, a building dedicated to the glory of God. When God freed the children of Israel to return home, their first act was to restore their worship to God. Ezra says that they built an altar in its place, they offered burnt offerings to God, and this morning we read that they kept the feast and all burnt offerings commanded by the Lord Jehovah. What were these feasts that the children of Israel uh, performed? This little insert in uh, your bulletin, if you got a bulletin, you saw it. It shows the Hebrew name of the feast, the name of the month that it was in, the year. The Jewish people had two years, a sacred year and a civil year. What festivals were celebrated during that time, and the things that were used in the worship of God. Three of these feasts, and I have it circled on my little paper up there, three of these feasts, all marils. We're required to go to Jerusalem and appear before the Lord. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, the Feast of Booth or Tabernacles. How can 49,897 people pick up and leave a settled life and return to a desolated place? Just pick up and go. We're comfortable here. We're happy here. How dare you ask us to go to some place that we don't know, we don't really remember, my kids Don't know. You don't think that's little. Unity to rebuild what is broken. When they got there and they saw the desolate place, and many of them got depressed and said, Lord, is that the same as what we remember? Look at all these rocks laying around. Look at the desert land. Is this thing worth it? Would it not take unity to rebuild that? Not just people saying we need to go do it and not doing it, but get down and doing the work that was necessary to do the work of God. would it not take unity to rebuild what is broken? Unity is the blue. To everything in life. In family, you've got to have unity. In work, you must have unity. In sports, you must have unity. In the church, there must be unity. Unity holds everything together. Psalm 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like a precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirt of his garments as dew of Hermon. As a dew that descended upon Mount Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And what the psalm is saying, when Aaron was anointed and the oil went on his head, it flowed all the way down his body. And it flows to the children of Israel by way of Jerusalem. That is what he means by the mountains of Zion that there was unity and God blessed the people and God saved the people and God touched the people in Jerusalem in their home. It would take unity to do that and it's a great blessing in unity. Unity is a prayer for Jesus and his disciples in John 17. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, That the world may believe that thou hast For ye are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying to the church is that you're all lost and undone. Every man in God's eyes is counted, number one, a sinner. You are lost and undone regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of your We are now known as brothers and sisters, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of where we're at in life, we are one in him. We're not to be disintegrated by, well, you're this kind of person, you're that kind of person, you're this kind of person. In Christ Jesus, we are one. The same way. Isn't the basic plan beautiful? He had to count all as unrighteous so he could save everybody the same way. I just think that's so awesome that in the plan of God he done that. He said, You're all sinners. Adam sinned and he would for everybody, but I'm going to come and I'm going to redeem you. Not just the children of Israel, but all people for the sake of Abraham and through him the nations of the world. And we are blessed because Christ came into our lives and he loves us and he cares for us. So we don't see anybody out the flesh anymore. We see him in Christ Jesus. If you walk in him and you serve him and you love him and you follow him, I see Christ Jesus in you. And that's how I evaluate you and that's how you should evaluate me in him. Let us continue to walk in unity in every aspect of our lives. Secondly, freedom. They walked in freedom. They kept the Feast of Tabernacles. This was the beginning of the civil year for the children of Israel. This feast commemorates the 40-year wanderings uh, that they did in the wilderness. Now, I have a picture up here of the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. When they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, God watched over them and God protected them. Here's a Jewish family uh, celebrating that feast, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. The people built booths temporary shelters of branches to remember how the people lived under God's care during their wanderings. This celebration was a reminder of God's faithfulness and His protection. Even though they sinned against God and He made them wander around for 40 years, He still watched over them, He still protected them, He still fed them, He still still gave them water. He looked over them and this feast celebrates the fact that God is good and God is gracious. On the last day of this feast people would carry torches, they would march around the tabernacle, and they would set their torches around the tabernacle, indicating that Messiah would be a light to the Gentiles. That when people walked around and saw all the lights around the temple, they would say, what's going on here? And they would say, the Messiah is coming, and he would be a light to all people, not just Jewish people, but to Gentile people as well. Afterwards, a priest carried water from the pool of Siloam to the tabernacle, symbolizing that when the Messiah came, the whole earth would know God as the water covers the sea. Everybody would know Him. Everybody would understand. Him, and everybody would serve. This is water all around. Verse 12. Church, we have that living water in us today through the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Christ lives within us. He thrives within us. He's moving us. He's calling us. He's convicting us. He's begging us. He's asking us to follow him, and he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit in our eyes that separates us. Tonight,
1: when nobody's in
0: these pews, the light of Christ shines through these same three windows. And I believe these windows symbolize the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the light shines to to the lost and dying world. The Bible says light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not comprehended. Lost people don't care about your church. They don't care about your children's church program. They don't care about your music program. They don't care about your air conditioning. They don't care about your Facebook. They don't care about what kind of car you drive, what's going on. They don't care if your is ugly. They don't care if he's good looking. They don't care if he's fat. They don't care if he's skinny. they don't care. All people just don't care about that stuff. Nevertheless, his light shines to show them the way of life. In darkness? Are you lost this morning? Are you hurting this morning? Do you not know which way to turn? Do you not know which way to go? Come to the light of the world. He will show you the way. Thirdly, they did it willingly. Ezra chapter 3, verse 5. They freely offered their gifts to the Lord. Free will offer forgiven from the heart of the giver. These were not Or by festivals or feasts. These were not required daily by the people. No, a man just decided one day, I'm going to go to the temple, not because. build God's temple in response to his business. Why not give freely? Why would they not give freely? God remembered his covenant with his people. He forgave them their trespass and he set them on their new journey in life. The king says you Heaven sent I want to sit my only begotten son. Jesus didn't have to leave the throne right there. But Isaiah said, the Lord looked around and said, who's going to go? Who's going to go? Who's going to go speak to the heart strength? Why would I not want to serve Him? Why would I not want to be in His house? Why would I not want to be in His Word? Why would I not to be around other believers who've been through similar things in life, who know Him, who's loved Him, whose life has been changed forever by the Lord Jesus Christ? Why not give freely to Him what cost Him so much? What are we to give Him? Honor and glory to His name. We are to the good times and the bad times, and we are to dedicate our whole life to him. The thing about Christians, at least to me, is um, we think we have these compartments, you know? I say, God, I love you, I'll serve you, and I'm going to follow you. And then when he calls in the check, I said, no, this, this, this part of my heart didn't end up to have. This part of my heart, I love too much. Tradition, okay? Some things we do because we have to. Sometimes you have to bite your tongue. I understand all that stuff. But when we do things with a free heart, when we do things with a free mind, then you know what? We're free. As long as I've held something down in my soul that I won't let God to have, I'm in bondage. And I'm in captivity. You can talk your way. You can walk your way, you can think and pray your way, but until you deal with that ought in your heart, you are in bondage. Some of the children wanted to stay there and be in bondage because they had good. They didn't want to go back to the unknown. They said, no, we have found contentment right here in our lives and this is where we're going to stay. They did not want to go to the unknown. But in the unknown is fullness of joy. army. My life had come to a point where I I thought, okay, God, you're calling me to pastor. I was an interim pastor. And I stood before the people and I realized I was an idiot. I couldn't help the people at all. I didn't know the word of God like I needed to. And I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I thought the preaching thing was easy. But to minister to the holy people of God, to see their hearts and know where they're hurting and know what they're going through and having to..." Scriptures and having some understanding of the scriptures, Lord, is so important. I don't want to be an advantage to just throw at them and not minister to the hurt. I want to minister to the pain in the heart, Lord, to where they're at in you. Help me, God. So he calls me to go be a pastor and I get ready to go to Bible college. And then he says, uh, Brian, how are we going to get there? I don't know. Where are we going? the wife and the husband. Amy says, Brian, I've been praying. Oh, oh boy. Okay, what's God telling you? She said, I was just so convicted, I need to give $300 a month to this ministry. And I went, just like you know, man, okay, I can't tell my wife, no, this is the heart of God. And then I asked the question, where's the money going to come from? God worked it out. Now, I only made 600 bucks a month. But God, he worked it out. And other people helped us. Other people helped us along the way. But we had joy and we had gratefulness. Not because of things that we had, but we didn't have anything. But we had the kingship of Christ and loving him and serving him. they serve and follow you. I thank you that through them you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to change our lives forever. I pray God if any of us this morning have something in our heart that we say we will not give you I just ask for that our hearts would be open to say Lord crack it because you are the great healer. And those that do crack that part of our heart Lord right now through the power of the ministry and the work of the Spirit. The heal of Gilead, soak through their hearts even now to say that you have healed them and you have touched them. And you, Lord, will bless them. I give you the praise this morning. I give you the glory this morning. And I give you the honor this morning for your son, Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again to give us life and life more abundantly. Lord, I ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus.